Coming up on today's message with Pastor John. Jesus is letting everybody in the crowd know that and his disciples that this road that he is walking is not without sacrifices uh, to follow Jesus means you're going to have to pro- to follow some heavy demands to carry the cross is not without tangible consequences and we must be willing to endure these consequences if we ever hope to receive the promised rewards of following Jesus Uh, Jesus is letting us know that you've got to become a disciple with your eyes wide open and counting the cost of this decision. Jesus is telling us to read the fine print. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message is going to come from the gospel according to Luke today. Uh, The 14th chapter, going to be reading verses 25 through 33. Again, that is the gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 33, rather. I'm going to be reading uh, from the New International Version of God's Word. Uh, Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who cannot give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again and study your word, Lord God. Lord God, I ask that this message be the message that you give to your people. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. For the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk about how God wants it all. God wants it all. I'm a joiner. 
uh, slang term for someone that uh, likes to be in organizations. I like to join organizations, especially if those organizations help me accomplish the goals I've set for my personal development. Uh, growing up, I looked at people who were successful in life, and I realized that many of them were a part of different organizations. So I thought, if I join those organizations, I'll get some help uh, in being uh, somebody that does things good for the world as well. I've joined the Masonic Order. I've joined uh, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, I'm a part of other organizations as well, and I look at other organizations to join. I look at social clubs, uh, networking organizations, uh, community groups, and I want to see if I'm a good fit for them or if being involved with that community service organization, fraternity, networking group, what, uh, what have you, is a good use of my time. There are some organizations that I still want to join uh, during my lifetime. However, I, I consider some things before I go further. Uh, before entering any new group or organization, I at least want to know what it takes to get into that group. What am I going to have to do to get into that group? and how much is it going to cost? The cost of the organizations varies. I'm in one organization that uh, has yearly dues that cost as much as a lifetime membership in another organization. Uh, there are some organizations and social clubs I look at and when I see what the monthly cost is to be in them, I, I, I wait just a little bit longer until I get just a little bit more uh, disposable income before I join. Uh, there are also some more exclusive clubs in this world. There are certain country clubs that come to mind, certain invitation-only organizations, and some of them demand six-figure initiation fees. And the wealthier members can probably afford it, but no matter what organization there is out there, I can't think of any organization that asks for everything from its members, except for one, the Church of Jesus Christ. And we find Jesus talking about membership into this organization and the membership initiation fee in the gospel according to Luke chapter 14, Jesus is addressing the crowd in this passage. One of the essential characters in the gospel according to Luke is the crowd. I, I like the crowd in the gospel according to Luke. I like uh, the gospel according to John because there are places where it does not name a name. It says the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I do this thing where I read the Bible and if somebody doesn't have a name in the Bible, I put my name in there. And so I can say in the gospel according to John, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. In the gospel according to Luke, I can imagine myself in the crowd. 
and Luke is growing on me because of that dynamic. Luke wants the readers to know that Jesus is uh, this man named Jesus is not just going around doing parlor tricks in private. This man named Jesus is doing things for the whole world to see. And the crowds are big in the beginning of the gospel, according to Luke, while he's opening blinded eyes, healing the sick, raising the dead, turning water into wine, doing all of these wonderful things. But now when he starts to talk about the cost, what it's going to cost to be a disciple, what it's going to cost to be in this entourage, the crowds get a little smaller. And there is a cost to becoming a disciple of Christ Jesus. Cost is what we give up, acquire, accomplish, maintain, or to what we give up rather to acquire, accomplish, maintain, or produce something. It involves a measure of sacrifice and perhaps a loss or a penalty in gaining something. Cost requires effort and resources. You don't just Snap your fingers and overnight you get it. Uh, the process of discipleship takes time. It has some false starts. It has some modest success. But nothing worth uh, anything is accomplished overnight. I was watching a video the other day and was talking about how to uh, gain some success. And the person who was giving the speech talked about how you grind for years and years and years. And finally, when all of those years and thousands of hours of hard work pay off and you make something, somebody says, well, tell us how you became an overnight success. Everything has a cost and being a disciple is no different. The, see, the reason is, is that the heart of discipleship is transformation. It's transformation. This is about changing you into a better Christian, changing you into a better person. And the cost of discipleship is not just about becoming accumulators of new information. It's about life and living it fully and, and changing your behavior in regards to Jesus' teachings. The cost is engaging profoundly in a radical shift towards the ethics of Jesus with every fiber of your being. God wants it all. Jesus is letting everybody in the crowd know that and his disciples that this road that he is walking is not without sacrifices. Uh, to follow Jesus means you're going to have to, to follow some heavy demands. To carry the cross is not without tangible consequences. And we must be willing to endure these consequences if we ever hope to receive the promised rewards of following Jesus. Uh, Jesus is letting us know that you've got to become a disciple with your eyes wide open and counting the cost of this decision. Jesus is telling us to read the fine print. I am amazed at the number of rooms I've been in, the number of deals I've seen accomplished, the number of deals I've seen fall apart because somebody didn't simply read the fine print. Uh, a bit of a personal story. I remember uh, my senior year of college when uh, the housing situation uh, 
was difficult, I'll just say. It was difficult. And there was a company that was managing that process, and they oversold the rooms. And, and in order to, to rectify the situation, they were going to just refund everybody's deposit and, and, and then have everybody reapply to get the rooms when they needed. But somebody read the fine print. And because somebody read the fine print, I did not sign a release and I did not take my deposit back because as long as they had my deposit and I had not signed a release, the fine print said that they had to put me in a room. And when they didn't have a room available, they had to put me in a hotel until they found a room. Jesus is saying in the text, read the fine print. And when he says that someone is following and, 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 and does not hate their brother, sister, wife, uh, it, it does not mean hate the way we think it means. <sighs> Things get lost in translation, right? We're, we're, we're here in, in, in 2022 and we're reading a story about a man 2,000 plus years ago that was a Hebrew, that spoke Aramaic, whose writings were translated from Hebrew to Greek to Latin, then English. Some things get lost in translation, and so when he says it uh, about hate uh, in the Bible, when, when he says hate, it's not hate as in animosity towards someone. It's about priorities. It's about not placing anything else above God, whether it be family, whether it be finances, whether it be friends. Everything takes a backseat to God. God comes first. And so he says that also to consider the cost to avoid embarrassment when he uses an example of someone building a tower or someone going to war. He means that people are going to have something to say uh, if you don't plan out something properly and it fails. People on the sideline, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and at the water cooler or wherever they have those times to gossip, somebody's going to say something bad about you regardless. And if you fail because you get out there and you don't consider the cost, they will say it even more, even if they couldn't do a better job themselves or even know how to do whatever it is they're talking about you doing. There's a, 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 a hillside, uh, on the hillside above a town of Oban, Scotland, there's a gray granite structure known as McKaig's Tower. Uh, it has an alternate name. It's called McKaig's Folly. Passengers that are on the way to try to board a ferry to the Isle of Iona can look and see this circular stone wall looming over them. And it, it vaguely resembles an ancient Roman Colosseum, but you can see nothing but sky through its gaping windows, and it's nothing but a shell. You see, this massive stone monument was never finished. Mr. John Stuart McKaig, a wealthy banker, was a man who conceived the project, and he, he did count the cost. He was a banker, and he counted the cost before the first stone was put down, and the tower was supposed to cost uh, 5,000 pounds sterling back in that time, which would have been nearly a million dollars today. 
Work began on this project in 1897 and continued until 1902 when Mr. McKaig died of a heart attack. And part of the reason why he wanted this tower built is so that stonemasons could work on the project in the off season and still have work. And the project fulfilled its purpose for as long as it lasted and even though Mr. McKaig put in his will for the tower to be completed, his heirs disagreed. Uh, they saw the project as too costly, and they went to court and successfully challenged Mr. McKaig's will. And they stopped construction work, and to this day, uh, 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 this folly stands as a monument to a dream never realized. Mr. McKaig had grand visions for the tower. He wanted a lasting monument to his family, and it was to include a museum, an art gallery, uh, a real showplace for this little town of Oban, and, and the central tower would display ha uh, statues of McKaig, his siblings, and their parents. But that's not how they remember it today. They don't remember the dream. They only know the disappointing reality. And so when tourists ask, uh, uh, what is that up on the hillside? The locals point at the, with the windows and the lack of the roof, and they say, that is McKaig's folly. What do you suppose those we leave behind will say of our Christian lives after we've gone on to our reward. What do you suppose people will say about what the church has done? Not just the big church, but just the building as well. What will they say? Will they say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will they sigh and say, what a folly. Working out our discipleship in terms of what we give away and what we keep for ourselves is no small issue. Uh, because what we own can come to own us, posing a serious threat to our spiritual welfare. I, I'm reminded of the adage when uh, I heard, you know, you, when someone buys a car, uh, my grandmother was always good about saying, don't let that car get up on your table. Meaning you spent so much money on the car that you can't work out what you got to eat. Uh, working out our discipleship requires a costly, challenging, and lengthy process, but it's to preserve us. <laughs> when I would drive to seminary in Dallas, there was a peach store along the way on I-45, and when I had time, I would stop there because they had some excellent peaches, and they also served uh, peach preserves. You know, the process of canning preserves is a process to ensure that the food is edible and flavorful for a long time. But you've got to endure the process because a misstep in the process will harm the taste and the quality of the food. The preserves taste good and last long, but you must surrender the desire to eat the food right away. If you want to, 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 to enjoy the nice preserves and the preserves spread, you can't eat the peaches right off the tree. You've got to take them through the process. 
And once they come out on the other side of the process, they taste much better. You know, we, we have to endure this process because it's part of what we've signed up for. We want to receive this radical grace from God. And we do. That's why it's grace, because we don't deserve it. Romans 3 and 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is that God still loves us. And so we receive the radical grace that we don't deserve. Now it's our turn to, to handle some costly discipleship. Discipleship is not for the faint of heart. We have to deny ourselves, carry a cross, focus on the eternal, and use the gifts of God that God gave us for God's glory in our daily lives. We have to place our commitment to God above everything else. Jesus wants to save us, to be sure. That's what he's all about. And that's why we call him Savior. And I would argue that one of the things he wants to save us most from is ourselves. And so Jesus has no problem asking people to give up something for the kingdom of God because he would give it all up for all of creation. He gave it all up for all of creation when he stepped out of eternity and put on human flesh and lived a life among us, died a death we couldn't die and became a perfect sacrifice for us. He willingly gave himself up for us. The Bible says that scarcely would one die for a good man. But while we were yet sinners, Christ gave himself up for us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. He paid it all. And because he paid it all, I can pay what little bit I have. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for the word that went forth for those who heard it and for those who will hear it later, that they will ask, what must I do to become saved? Thank you for paying the price for us on Calvary and help us to be willing to pay the cost of discipleship, Lord God. Let your word go forth and be a good seed in good soil that produces a great harvest for your kingdom. 30, 60, 100 fold. It is in your darling son, Jesus the Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.